Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. This is my podcast that goes out with my email newsletter, usually daily, uh, via Substack. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. By the way, you all need to vote for the Kaka and the Bird of the Year. Today I wanted to talk about inflation. We obviously had some hotter than expected inflation numbers for September quarter on Tuesday. Inflation was 7.2% in the quarter from a year ago. It's only down from 7.3% in the June quarter. And it's quite a bit higher than what economists had expected. That uh, economists had seen a, a, an increase coming of about 6.5%, so it was significantly above that. And it wasn't just inflation from the rest of the world, it was also domestic inflation. Interestingly, uh, we saw domestic airfares up strongly and international airfares. In New Zealand, a major player in that and obviously dominant in the domestic market. And uh, we've seen now domestic airfares up 30% from pre-COVID levels and international airfares up 70% from pre-COVID levels. This was one of the main causes of the surprise in the figures. So what's going on here? And is the Reserve Bank which is now expected to put up the official cash rate by 75 basis points on November the 23rd. That's from 35 to 4.25%. And potentially another 25 basis points or 50 basis points when it comes back after the summer on February the 22nd. That's because uh, economists see the Reserve Bank very keen to crack down on inflation and to respond to inflation at 7% obviously being significantly above the Reserve Bank's 1-3% to target band. So the Reserve Bank has one tool, the official cash rate. There's been a couple of others used in recent years including quantitative easing, but at the moment it's just the official cash rate. And the way this works is it signals that it will put up the official cash rate, which is a very short-term interest rate. And this uh, results in increases in wholesale interest rates, in particular the swaps rates as they're called. And this is what the banks base their mortgage rates uh, and their term deposit, deposit rates on. And these swap rates try to anticipate what the Reserve Bank is going to do based on what's happening in the economy and what the Reserve Bank is saying. At the moment, the most recent forecast from the Reserve Bank were that the official cash rate would need to rise to about 4.2% by early next year and then would start to fall by the end of 2023. But that was before these latest hotter than expected inflation figures. And now uh, economists expect the Reserve Bank to put up the official cash rate to around 5%. Now that would see mortgage rates go up to uh, around five and a half to six percent. Currently they've been reasonably stable in recent months at around about five and a half percent. But on international markets there has been a rise in global interest rates. That's increased the base for all interest rates including ours. And the surprise in the inflation numbers on Tuesday saw those swaps rates rise significantly over five percent. Uh, typically you need to add one and a half to two percent on top of those swap rates to get your fixed mortgage rates. And what we saw yesterday was the ANZ, the biggest mortgage bank, increase its fixed mortgage rates by around about 45 basis points. So it's 
main competitive rate now, which is the one-year rate. They tend to focus their promotional activity on one particular discounted rate. That rose almost 50 basis points to 5.99%. So the market, you know, standard, if you like, the best rate that people can get, it looks like it's going to rise from around about 5.5% to maybe 6%. That is uh, a bit more than uh, most people were expecting and the markets were expecting. And um, the question is, how much further does it go? And is this actually going to work? Well, sometimes it's worth stepping back a bit and having a look at the reasons for the inflation and whether uh, higher mortgage rates will actually change much in that. So one of the interesting areas around inflation in the last couple of years is that it's come from an unusual place, a so-called supply shock, in fact a series of supply shocks. So when you, say, when you think about demand and supply, uh, you think about Typically, inflation being caused by too much demand and uh, people have too much cash chasing a relatively limited amount of goods and services. But what if, for example, the demand hadn't changed much, but there was a big drop in the ability to produce goods and services and supply them? And that's what we've essentially seen with COVID and with the war in Ukraine, which has taken out a chunk of people, apart from anything else, who had to stay at home or have been sick, and also disrupted supply chains for a couple of years. Then we saw the Ukraine war, which again took a bunch of supply out of the market, in this case Russian oil and gas, but also has worsened tensions between China and the United States and is starting to see some limited unravelling of the global supply chains built over, up over the last 20 to 30 years which kept supply flooding into the global economy, particularly of goods, uh, nice and high and helped keep inflation low up until a couple of years ago. So these are supply shocks. Now, if the Reserve Bank and other central banks put up interest rates, that's not necessarily going to affect supply. It will drag demand down. And that's their aim, really, is to try to make demand and supply match and take the inflationary pressure out of the economy. But also doing something else, which is to try to influence expectations about prices. One of the ideas in inflation fighting theory is that if you can convince everyone that inflation won't go up much, that will change their behaviour when it comes to setting prices and setting wages. And they're talking here mostly about, of course, people in businesses who set prices, and in theory, uh, uh, businesses and employees, sometimes their representatives, unions, in setting wage agreements. And if those people, the price setters and the wage setters, believe that inflation many years out is going to stay low, the theory is they will then set their prices and wages relatively low, or at least not increase them much, keep inflation low. This is all about setting expectations. And one of the concerns people have had over the years is that uh, the big inflation that we saw in the 1970s and 1980s, particularly uh, here in Aotearoa, was based on what's a thing called the wage price spiral. Now, this is the idea that when inflation takes off, workers will see that and go, right, well, we want to make sure we don't fall behind here and we'll try and get ahead of it by putting up our wages. And that employers seeing their wage bill go up fast 
then go, okay, well, I need to get ahead of this. <laughs> I'm going to put up my prices. And you end up in this um, self-driving spiral upwards of inflation. And in the 1970s and 1980s, when there were a lot of strikes, when there were a lot of unions, and when in Aotearoa, but also in the rest of the world, there were different ways of setting wages, often involving centralised bargaining processes, centralised arbitration processes, uh, uh, countrywide awards. Uh, often when there was a price increase and then a wage increase followed, it would follow quite quickly and often it would be uh, directly related to what they call a cost of living adjustment and be in direct response to rising prices. And often it would happen right across the economy immediately. So you'd see an agreement, an arbitration, maybe after a strike, and the union, which was more powerful in those days because they had various rights to organise and to represent workers, they would um, see significant and widespread and fast wage increases. That was the theory anyway. So... One of the concerns about inflation these days is that somehow we're getting into a new wage price spiral. And they point to low unemployment and uh, increasing uh, wages in some areas, poaching of staff, sign-on bonuses, that sort of thing. And in some cases, um, particularly in the United States, but to an extent here, you're seeing more workers organising into unions trying to um, use their power to uh, get higher wages and better conditions. That's one of the reasons why the Reserve Bank is keen to put up interest rates to uh, stamp on any idea of a wage price spiral early on and to change expectations. I actually think it's less of a concern in that our unionisation rates are still much, much lower than they were in the 1970s. The Employment Contracts Act which essentially removed a lot of those common bargaining and union powers, is still in place. We don't have a fair pay agreement, which is designed to put some of these nationwide awards back in place. And uh, worker power is not nearly as great as it was in the 70s when we had similar uh, unemployment levels. So what's going on here? Why is inflation taking off? Is it a wage price spiral? Well... I've included in today's email research from the IMF, which has looked at various periods of inflation over the years and found that actually uh, there wasn't evidence to show that there were wage price spirals even back in the 70s, well, not a lot. And certainly there aren't signs of a wage price spiral this time around. So what is going on? Why is this inflation more persistent than we are expecting and growing at a faster rate than we expect? Well, let's have a look at prices. Who sets prices? Well, companies set their prices for goods and services based on you know, what they think they can get away with, uh, what they think they can uh, charge and still sell what they need and uh, keep their market share. Now, a lot of companies have gotten bigger, more consolidated, and have generated more market power over the years. There's been an awful lot of mergers, in part because of low interest rates making it cheaper for companies to buy each other. There's uh, significant uh, uh, new industries designed to help people buy each other. We've seen the growth of private equity. And uh, there's certainly been market concentration in Aotearoa, but also in the United States and elsewhere. 
And we're starting to see now that there has been an increase in the share of income from the economy going to uh, capital, if you like, in the form of profits versus wages. Now, some might argue that's because we are a, have a more capital-intensive economy. There are more machines, more capital invested, and therefore that's fair that more profit goes to the owners of capital rather than the owners of labour. Although, of course, a lot of people who are working would say, well, I've invested a lot more in my labour, my, uh, the quality of my labour has improved and the productivity of my labour has improved and therefore I should participate in the growth and output. And what we've seen over the last 30 to 40 years, as we've seen economies deregulated, uh, government involvement in the economy wound back in some places and replaced by private owners, market power increased, the uh, uh, interventions, if you like, of um, anti-monopoly bodies like the Commerce Commission or in the United States, the uh, Federal Trade Commission has been less. Um, this idea that free markets are best has meant there's been less interference in mergers and acquisitions to avoid some companies gaining market power. And we know in New Zealand that there are several industries where there is uh, monopolies or uh, quadropolies, uh, uh, duopolies, where certain industries, uh, there is certain certainly market power being expressed through companies putting up prices faster than costs. So their margins are increasing. Now, one area is banking, where we have uh, four big Australian banks, and I include uh, a chart and some detail on how when interest rates rise, banks can actually increase their mortgage rates faster than their deposit rates, that which means that effectively their net interest margin rises. And when you look at uh, New Zealand bank profits over the years, they have been rising substantially, not just in nominal terms, but against the size of the rest of the economy, and are now upwards of 2% of uh, GDP in New Zealand, and that's partly because of the financialization of our economy, how we're a housing market with bits tacked on, and to pump up those house prices you need to borrow lots of money, which means in effect you help generate profits for those banks. Now I've focused on banks, but you could also look at supermarkets, building materials, fuel retailing, electricity, uh, and a whole bunch of areas where there is market power. And some areas where there are quite dispersed ownership stakes, but not very much productivity, and uh, in effect, prices are often set quite locally. And this is a problem for New Zealand. We typically, m most um, people who've looked at this would say we have a relatively less competitive economy. And when you look at the profit share in the New Zealand economy in recent years, it has risen to a record high of 16%. So the argument here is, why is the Reserve Bank increasing mortgage rates to try to change the behaviour of what actually is a profit increase problem? So obviously uh, increasing mortgage rates will slow demand from consumers and workers in the economy and is actually designed to increase unemployment. That's how monetary policy works. The argument is that we're running too hot, that we uh, have uh, uh, too much demand for not enough capacity, we have to reduce the demand, and one way to do that is to basically put people out of work. Now that's, um, that's how central banks operate, 
But what if you were essentially punishing workers for the sins of price setters in businesses? And is there another way to do that? Certainly the government has uh, introduced market studies to try to apply some sort of regulatory pressure on those industries, so far without too much success, obviously. And I think it's something that the government uh, should look at, including the Reserve Bank and the Treasury, A, to do more research into the profit share in the economy, but B, to uh, look at how the Reserve Bank is responding to a supply shock, responding to increased profit margins, but through trying to reduce employment. I'm Bernard Tiki. That was my Dawn Chorus today, Thursday, October the 20th. Kaki Town Hall.